This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Don't forget, when you do write us, we'll take all the personal information out if you want to ask us a question. And if you want to get some more specific counseling, we do career coaching. You can find that on our coaching tab at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You can also find the scholarships guide and other online courses. And don't forget to try to use the Pay It Forward coupon. Uh, The Pay It Forward campaign is going well. What that is is people will actually buy a scholarships guide so that they can pay it forward, but they do it anonymously. And to do it anonymously, we set up a pay it forward coupon. There's a couple of them out there that are available. We had someone just uh, purchase a few. Uh, Usually right after this goes out, all of them are gone. Uh, So I really think it's a great resource, and a lot of people are starting to use it more and more. Um, By the way, the the new scholarships guide is out, and uh, this is uh, September. We're going to be coming out with a new one in October. This month, we have 32 new scholarships uh, with 27 updates. Sometimes those updates, though, are deletions. Uh, We do have one or two that are coming out this month also. And I've listened to you folks. I know a lot of folks are down there in Australia. Um, We have quite a few new uh, international scholarships to include Australia, uh, especially with the new visas that are available, or visas that are available, I shouldn't say they're new, uh, here for pilots to come to the U.S. and and work, especially at the regional airlines. They usually do get sponsored. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, Also, another thing I'm asking for you folks to do, if you like this podcast and also like what I do in the coaching, I do coach a flight team at Polk State College, and I would love for you to just donate a couple of dollars just to help us out to compete in the regional competition, which will be here in Lakeland, Florida. I actually am in Lakeland, Florida right now at Polk State College with my favorite aerospace director here at Polk State College, and that would be Eric Crump. Welcome, I'm just Eric. the only one you know. Uh, actually, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> the only one at Polk State. I'm the only one that'll hang out with you. Hey, everybody. It's Eric. <laughs> Eric, it's great to have you back it's on. It's great to be here. Yeah. You know, we have another school that's going to be on the, on the field here. It's wonderful as far as colleges are concerned. I think that's really, really cool. Hey, you know, just a, a quick thing, too. I get this comment quite a bit from people people about uh, there's an aerospace academy here it's a high school and they ask is that us are we associated yeah we are associated in a certain manner it's usually that after they're done with high school they come here to the college and finish up and they can actually take advantage of college while they're in high school so one of the cool things that we do here with our polk county school board we offer a lot of dual enrollment um, and i actually teach four of my aerospace core courses over at the high school so you know, third period was high school, fourth period was college, fifth period is high school again. Um, as you don't have to travel anywhere, it's really convenient, and it's all just one big aviation ecosystem over there anyway. So great guys, great kids, and um, we, we love having them in here. Actually, right before we got started, I just finished uh, grading all their assignments from last week. Wow, how they do? So, um, okay, I, well, I don't think question. legally I can tell you that, <laughs> but they did fine. <laughs> So which one's more fun? Is it here at the high school? Wait, we shouldn't ask that question either. (laughs) No, it's different, man. It's different. So like the kids at the high school have this like unyoked passion Mm -hmm. for aviation, right? But they also, most of them anyway, are in a place in life where they're also unburdened with most of life's responsibilities. So it's just an unchecked passion for aviation. And I love it. It's just raw and and wonderful. Um, With college students though, I mean, 
you've now entered real life for most of them. Some of them have not yet quite made that bridge, but for most of them, you know, they're in real life. They've got a couple of jobs going on. Several of them got families they're contending with. So, um, you know, it adds different levels of, uh, of time management and money management to the equation, but um, it's it's a different it's just a different life situation. I like them both equally the same, just in different ways. Well, you know, I love all students, uh, no matter where they are, and I love teaching. So I'm a uh, student. That's and I help you in how many ways? So many ways. I know. Let me count the ways. <laughs> count one, the ways. one thousand. <laughs> two, one thousand. Well, Eric, it's great having you back on to answer some of these questions, and we uh, love your expertise in the collegiate, but also in all the flight instruction realm, and plus uh, partnerships with some of the regional airlines. Some of those folks have actually come here for interviews, and uh, we can't wait to have some more of them on. Uh, we will be having them here, actually, on, on campus, hosting a few. Uh, one of them that uh, we've reached out to, Commute Air, is going to be coming down, and we can't wait to have them back down. Those are my favorite days. I mean, I... It's, it's great to be in the classroom and to teach students. It's a totally different thing when people from outside your organization who are doing this for a living come inside the organization and they help the students understand the bridge between I'm slugging this out right now and man, this is hard and it's a lot of studying and it's costing me money. But then you talk to these guys and you understand, look, first of all, I went through the same thing you're going through right now. So you have somebody you can identify with. And then two, I got to the end of the tunnel and there wasn't a train there. It was actually just clear skies. And here I am and I'm doing this thing that I always wanted to do for a living, getting paid to fly. Um, and that's a huge connector. It's one thing for me to tell them. It's another thing entirely when those guys come and share their experiences. And we sincerely appreciate them. Well, Clear Skies, I'm glad you said that in sharing experiences because uh, one thing I like to do every so often on the podcast and share some of the flying I do. And uh, actually, this past week, this weekend, I got to go out uh, on a long overnight in Colorado and Denver and went exploring the foothills. And that is such a cool thing to do. I'm on an overnight making money, and I'm out having fun exploring the mountains. And it, it's just one of those jobs where you don't really get to do that too much. I mean, how many jobs do you have where, hey, here's 30 hours, go have fun? Yeah. Um, well, I just got back from Colorado also, but I was not being paid to go there. I, I did it on my own. But. <laughs> it was a beautiful state but and it's a lot amazing, of great flying. Man, golly. It, uh, and we flew into Durango, actually, oh. uh, which is my first time in Durango. I've been in and out of Denver a million times. But going into Durango was an interesting experience. Such a small little airport, um, great community. A bunch of young people actually work in every position. Everybody was pretty much under 30. Yeah. Um, it was it was awesome. And it was the whole, uh, you know, we're going to get the bags off. Please don't walk behind the wing to get your bag. We're going to bring it to you. Walk off That's the airplane awesome. on a ramp experience. I mean, it's just, it's great. And you can't beat the view. Yeah. I Boy, I miss that a lot of times. Just a lot of that regional flying. Do you get to do that sometimes with the bigger planes? It's just we need a, a bigger ramp. To, to offload the people when we tell them, hey, don't go back that way, come this way. It's a lot, it is still fun. Uh, but that you just hook up some kind of like rope and pulley system. You it, could lower oh. people from eight through twenty, probably. <laughs> it's yeah. You'd be surprised at what some people do, especially to get certain people on the airplane. Uh, even uh, people with challenges. Uh, I've seen food trucks actually pull up to get some of the people with wheelchairs on in certain countries and mm -hmm. areas. They just don't have that type of equipment. Uh, it's very it's creative. It works. It works. It was pretty cool. But uh, anyway, Eric, let's get on to some questions we have from listeners. That's I love questions. I, I know this is so much fun. I know you enjoy I've, answering. I've wish that I had answers. I know. But I some like of these, the <laughs> in some ways, more questions than we have answers, that's for sure. Well, our first question comes in and says, hey, Carl, I enjoy the interviews on the podcast. My background, 
I'm a longtime commercial instrument pilot with a BS in aerospace, but unfortunately, I graduated in the early 90s when aviation was in a serious recession. So I've always want, always made my living outside aviation. I often mentor young people who want to become pilots and help them through this sometimes bewildering process. It's very rewarding to me. I often refer them to your podcast for inspiration and your scholarships guide for financial options. You're doing great work on both. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, my question, and, and by the way, I like the fact that you're mentoring people. I think that's awesome, even though you're not working in the field, but you really are by helping people out. He says, my question, I recently listened to your interview with Sean Crow, and it made me curious about his company. I'm in a very similar career change situation. I'd be interested in learning more about 135 cargo operations and specifically about his employer. Uh, Sean mentioned he'd be, uh, he'd be happy to discuss with listeners, so I was wondering if you could pass him my contact info and ask him to drop me a line. Thanks for all you do for the aviation community, Carl. Well, I tell you what. Just in general, if someone says that they'll contact you on this podcast, write us like he did, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com, and we will we'll copy that email to the person that was on the podcast. We usually don't uh, put the contact information out unless they're like a recruiter or something like that because then their inbox gets inundated and they get all that junk mail and stuff like that. So uh, so yes, we, we will definitely pass it along. Really interesting stuff though, the cargo, the 135 cargo that a lot of people don't think about. Some people don't want to become instructors and that's what Sean kind of was talking about in, in his show. Great guy, Sean. Uh, he actually, we did some career coaching and look where he's gone in his career. He just kind of took it and ran. We just did one one career coaching and he was just on his way some people just need that one little push and yep. uh so yeah thanks for that question and uh i will send that along but 135 cargo operations for some of you that don't know you always think of 135 passenger but there is 135 on demand cargo mm -hmm. uh very similar except there's no people in the back yeah, i got a friend who does uh air ambulance mm -hmm. which and it's mostly stuff not people actually um and then i've had what two or three friends go through a Mariflight. And you know, shared their experience with that. Uh, my 135 experience was all people, um, but man, I love 135. I love it. I mean, I can't say it's better or worse because I didn't I haven't done 121, but I really, really enjoyed the 135 world. I like the um, I like the flexibility. I like the people. I like the diversity in the flying. It's very different. It's if you can get bored doing that job, you're doing something wrong, because it's constantly something new is happening. Um, but, uh, you know, what a cool situation. I it started off as aerospace and BS. I'm like, wait, who is this person? Do I know this person? Um, so, uh, you know, kudos to you, though. And I've said this before, because we get questions. We you get questions like this a lot for people who are who are looking at making the shift. And um, I did a later in life, not later in life, but, you know, after the point where you're supposed to know what you're supposed to do, I think, or at least when they tell you you're supposed to know what you're supposed to do. Um, yeah, I made, I made a change uh, to go back into academia, a thing that it was really concerning and weird, and I didn't know if I was really ready for it or if I'd be able to do it again. I, I had a love for it, it's thing I wanted to do, um, and, man, I could not imagine not doing it. But it, it's a big leap. That's a big leap and a big change. 
Um, and uh, you've done it at least 17 times, Carl, so you probably know more about that than me. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'll be the Encore Career Specialist here. I mean, like, how many careers have I done? Uh, although with the aviation career, you can do so many other things, that's for sure. You know, one thing, if you don't mind me, not to put you on the spot too much, um, one thing that I've noticed, though, in academia, if someone's really thinking about that, is that it, it can be a little more stressful, I find, uh, than, it, than what I do. For instance, I show up, I turn the plane on I go fly and I turn it off that's about it other than what I'm doing now I'm studying for my recurrent that's a little stressful but normally you don't bring it home with you for you you have to be ready for that I mean it's 24 7 man I mean it doesn't stop so um you know we we fly 12 hours a day seven days a week um and I mean a plane is usually moving somebody always has a problem when the program has over 300 people in it um I mean if 10% of them have a problem, I'm busy. <laughs> you right, know what I'm sure. saying? So it, uh, it is, it's, it is a come home with you thing. It's a thing that follows you around on vacation. Your phone's always blowing up. I do miss the days when you could just turn the plane off and walk away and you were done. Yeah. Work was over. Um, work is never really over for me now. It sort of, it ebbs and flows all the time. It's always there. That was definitely an adjustment, but I would say that if you're the kind of person that likes having something to do and you don't mind that pace, I find it to be really rewarding. Like, am I working some nights on Saturday at, you know, one o'clock in the morning? Yes, sure, I am. (laughs) But I flew at one o'clock in the morning. I mean, so that part of it wasn't that big of a change. Um, But but there are so many other great perks, like the... uh, it's just a stupid amount of time off. <laughs> you yeah. get I, the, the, I, the, the, the amount of time that they pay us to not work in education is psychotic to me. Then they give us vacation time on top of that. I, I mean, it's amazing. I, I mean, it's an amazing benefit. You know, Eric, I'm put you on the spot too. We're going to do an Can we ask this guy's questions, question. please? Let's stop. We're not interviewing we're gonna, Eric today. We're going to start, we're going to do an interview with Eric about working in academia. Let's not do that. And, uh, and we'll, we'll put, some, as a matter of fact, that's a great episode right there. We, we need to talk about that more because there are so so many people working in academia and aerospace, and we just don't talk about them enough. So we need to do that. So definitely, uh, it's that, been a ride, dude. Yeah, that's I mean, where sure. I started, and then I went out and did stuff, and I'm right back here again. So. But people need to know what's out there, and I think we need to do that. So we're definitely going to do that. Not now because we don't have anything all put together. So, but uh, but definitely in an upcoming episode with Eric. Nobody Crump. expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, anyway, let's let's do that. Let's go on to a new uh, question. I uh, make you bet you can figure out where this person is calling is uh, writing from. It says Aloha, Carl and crew. That would be Eric Crump, part of the crew. That's probably Florida. Right? We say Florida. we say Aloha a Aloha. lot here. We do. I don't know why, because people wear those shirts. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, "Thank you for reading and answering my questions. Since the last email I sent, I've logged my first hour in a logbook. Yay! Yay! And I'm, I'm on a wait list with a local flight school and have started a second job to finance my training. After flying around Oahu in a Cessna 172 Papa, I'm chasing this career full throttle. Awesome. I like, that was awesome. Uh, after listening to episode 235, I decided to see if my local university has started their aviation track. If they have, I can take advantage of my remaining VA benefits and some of the academic scholarships in the guide. All the flight schools I visited on the island have about three-month wait lists, but all recommended doing online ground school through Kings or Sporties while I wait. I've started with Sporties, and I'm doing a lesson or so every day. 
As I look at where to start my career once I complete training, I'm strongly considering a local island hopping cargo carrier that operates a Shorts 300 and a 737. The Shorts are part of a 135 and like Mokalele, which I mentioned in my last email, are hiring with low hours. Do you know how many students I have here that are, that are trying oh. everything? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> their that is their career ambition. <laughs> Move to Hawaii, make a living, and just fly island hopping. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I did, if so, I didn't have the wife and kids, that's what I'd be uh, doing too. <laughs> okay, not that, and we'll, we'll get to this question in a second. But not to burst you guys' bubble, but for the most part, I've had a lot of people I've coached to have gone that route. Usually within a year or two, they're looking at moving on to the majors or to another regional to get their time to move to the majors. Uh, just to give you an idea. That, it, that, that's it's a, a lifestyle great, job. It really it's is. It's a lifestyle it job. Really, you have to want that lifestyle. Yes. And what's interesting, though, is there's people that go back to it. They actually go back to flying. Well, look at the number of people who work for Silver here in Florida and do day example. trips out and back from Orlando. They, yeah. they live at home. They never do an overnight. Mm-hmm. They're back at their in their bed every night flying out and back for a 121 carrier. I mean, that stuff doesn't exist everywhere. But again, it's a lifestyle kind of job. If It's just a, it's what you want to do. And, and another great example, I was just got off a coaching call with somebody who's flying uh, a caravan on floats and has, is having a blast, absolutely loves it. But it's time to move on to make a career. You know, he wants to have a family, et cetera. But this is a job he can come back to because under 135, yep. you don't have the age limit, do you? Nope. And so it's, that's what's awesome. If you can get a medical, you too yeah. can be a 135 <laughs> pilot. <laughs> and, and another thing, too, if you notice, a lot of these that have converted from 135 to 125 back in the 90s and, and, and later, they're going back to 135 because there's such a shortage of Well, pilots. there's a ton of shortage. And with the hours and experience you're bringing back from 121, you can walk into those jobs. And, I mean, I don't... I don't know if you guys have looked around, but I mean, it's not bad money. No, and there's, and no. it's not. I'm not. Look, you you stay well when you overnight, and oh, I yeah. mean, you get taken care of. And by and large, I think the majority of airlines do a good job taking care of their people when they're off base. That's fine. But 135 trips are a completely different yeah. thing, where you're in a little glass bottom hut in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a different. It's a different kind of flying. And you're gaining those hours and those miles and all that on your credit card, which on we can't do. Your own. Yeah, yeah. you're racking that stuff racking up quick. Yeah, we don't do that. So as a matter of fact, people ask, that, you know, do you have to pay for your own hotel room? We don't, but we also don't get the points. We don't get the miles because they rent the room six months at a time. So it's a little bit different. Uh, ours are a little more Spartan uh, accommodations, except in some of those res- resort communities. Then it's a lot of fun. Uh, One but, question, though, and then we'll actually get back to this guy's question. Yeah, <laughs> we, we should just have a podcast where there are no questions, well, yeah, and we, we just will. sit down and we just we talk. Definitely that do way that. we don't like lie to ourselves and pretend that we're going to get through a bunch of questions. No, but so when you when you do those trips, do you get the option to upgrade? Like if you're at a hotel and you have a reservation, can you say, listen, I know this is what the company paid for, but I want the presidential suite tonight i'll pay the difference is that an option so they're not supposed to do that but if you're nice to them and certain hotels because they want our business so bad they will allow us to get points by the way so i said most of them don't um and they will upgrade you say you're a diamond member with hilton i've done that before and i've gotten the the suite uh, in general in certain especially other countries as a captain 
you usually get the presidential suite <laughs> with the with the you know the the big balcony and the hot tub on the balcony, which you shouldn't put any type of soap in. Just saying, <laughs> there could be some a real disaster <laughs> when you do that. <laughs> but yeah, that that is one of the perks to being captain, especially in other countries, is they give you that nice nice suite. Um, but in general, you uh, you don't you don't get to change that. I have done it. Uh, I've talked to the people at the hotel. Say, hey, listen, I'm going away. My wife's still here. Can I leave her here and then I'll come back and we'll have a vacation? They're like, sure. Uh, it, it all depends on you and if you can ask nicely. That's a big part of it. Otherwise, they don't have ob- any obligation to do anything. And a lot of times they won't because of the fact that they're renting those rooms out really, really inexpensively because they're renting them for like five, six, three months of time depending on the contracts. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, you can ask and that's about it. Uh, but for the most part, they do treat okay, us really back well. back to the question. But back to the question. Uh, so anyway, he continues on his question, um, and this is actually uh, separate from the whole conversation yet, so that's good. Um, he says, as I look at the requirements for the airlines that I aspire to fly for, the that state, they all state, that a, a radio telephone operator's license is required. Actually, they'll say probably restricted radio telephone operator's permit from the FCC is required. I think is usually how they put that. Uh, and then uh, he continues, when I look at the FCC website, there's a restricted radio telephone operator's license recommended for pilots. Will this restricted radio telephone license meet the requirements uh, let's say for a legacy carrier, or do they need to get the full license? Again, thank you for what you all do to produce the podcast and keep all of us at stare at the, to all us staring at the sky and dreaming of flight, inspiring to do something to keep moving forward in our career in aviation. Well, thanks so much. Aloha, he says. Uh, as far as restricted radio telephone operators permit, yeah, that's all you need. Uh, I know it sounds weird, but that's all you need just to fly internationally. Uh, so even at, and I don't know, Eric, at the schools, do they? Uh, a lot of times at the, the 61 schools, they don't mention it much. Do they do that much at I mean, the college? We, we talk about it. We train for it. It's one of those. It's the other R in the arrow documents for those of you that are already in pilot training now. Um, certainly not required for training inside the U.S. Um, I can tell you, though, there's a bunch of people right now who um, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but a lot of people thought they'd try to be really helpful and with a good, kind spirit. They decided they were going to take some stuff over to the Bahamas. They flew over in convoys with other people delivering supplies for relief um, for Dorian and then realized they never got their FCC radio telephone license. Um, Again, I mean, I don't think it's going to lead to any enforcement action. I think it's one of those, hey, remember, there's this whole requirement thing when you're going to fly outside of the country. And it's it is a thing. Um, it used to be a requirement here. It's no longer a requirement inside the U.S. Um, as long as you're flying domestically, we don't require it in training, but we certainly talk about it. That it's and it's. I mean, there's nothing to it. It's an application. It's not even a test, really. It's just give them a little bit of money and get <laughs> get your certificate. And if you want to find out how to do that, aviationcareerspodcast.com. Go to recommended reading. Click on restricted radio telephone operators permit. It's that easy. That's all you need to do. Uh, Maybe Carl can even scholarship you. Uh, that's so cheap. I don't think we'd <laughs> have a scholarship. It? It's like well, that's to the other thing. They make it. They they're very secretive about it. Interestingly enough, so I hear back. Uh, people said it's like seventy dollars. They won't tell you on the website how much it is. It's really strange until you actually yeah. finish the application. I think they just want to be able to change. It. Mine cost fifteen bucks. Yeah, wow, that was wow. a while back. So yeah, yeah, it was, I remember those when they actually put them on a typewriter. Yeah, it yeah. was typewritten. Yeah, it came yeah. on a little piece of paper. It was that's what mine has. Somebody clearly t- I'm thinking of upgrading, it. so I don't look sound so. Old. But <laughs> with that said, um, the as far as what you just said, this is important for those airline pilots that are out there listening at the regionals moving on. Do not forget to bring it with you. 
Um, we do get ramp checked every so often in those countries. And if they want to be a stickler, they can say, hey, by the way, you got here, you can't leave until you get your restricted radio telephone operator permit. Normally, the airlines will have that on file, a copy of it. They will fax it down there so you can actually leave the country. And we've had issues with that at my airline, at every airline I've worked for. Uh, so don't forget, you have to have that with you. You have to have your medical, you have to have your pilot certificate, you have to have your ID with you. All those things have to come with you, you know, and right. and if you don't have those, then you can't go flying. Uh, so important. Great question. Check out the link. And uh, anyways, let's move on to the next question here. It says, uh, Dear Carl, let me start by thanking you for providing an informative and entertaining podcast. I enjoy listening to your Stuck Mike and Aviation Careers podcast. Both give me through the days thinking about life aloft. I have a career question, and they greatly appreciate any insight you could provide. A little background, I'm a 33-year-old male living in, uh, in the Carolinas. I began flight training in September of 2018 at my local flight school under Part 61. Earned my private pilot certificate in April 2019. Hey, congratulations. Congrats. That's awesome. As of today, I've logged 89 hours. Long way to go to 1,500, but I'm going to enjoy the journey, and you should. My plan was to go to flight school after graduating high school, but then, due to financial reasons, I decided then to pursue a career in the welding industry. I made a good living as a welder and also as a licensed welding inspector, but I just can't see myself in this line of work much longer and long term. My dream of being a professional pilot has never died, and I want to get moving on this new path. I have a year and a half of post-high school education, mainly technical training for certificates I hold. I often hear you say flying experience or rating means more than a four-year degree. I don't know if chasing a degree is something I want to spend my time and money on, but is that going to hurt me in the long term of being competitive? Uh, ideally, once I have the required hours and ratings, I see myself working for a regional airline or private charter for the next 15 to 20 years. After that, I'd like to relocate further south and get into flying seaplanes around the Caribbean. I call that my encore career. So I've planned out two options for the next three years. Both would allow me to keep my good-paying job with a flexible schedule. But first, before we go through those options, let's talk about the whole degree. The degree is going to make you more competitive. I'd highly recommend you finishing the degree, degree online in some way. Uh, it will make you percolate to the top. Uh, getting a, a job with a regional, you don't need a degree, but to move on. And if the economy goes south, some of the first things they do is up their requirements, one of them being uh, you know PIC time, the other being a degree. So I would highly recommend doing that. You can actually do degrees online and finish up, even at places like, well, Polk State College. <laughs> you know, they can find out more about that online, right? Yeah, you talking about degree programs is like me talking about being an airline pilot. I've I, I've seen it done. <laughs> it looked it looked really fascinating, <laughs> but I enjoy watching you do it. It's, I was at an event the other night, and um, it, it was a, a thing for the scholarship winners uh, for the James Ray Scholarship here in this in this county who had won it and who were pursuing pilot training, and and we hosted it. And so I'm sitting at a table with I don't know twenty other people, and. Uh, like three of these folks are asking questions about, so after high school, you know, going to college and how does that work? And everybody else at the table is answering this, all these questions. I'm just sitting down at the end of the table <laughs> and they all keep looking at me, but nobody's asking me the questions. So I just sit there and they were doing a very good job explaining everything accurately. What? Well, why did I need to chime in? Um, and so you're, you're doing a fine job, Carl. Thank That's you. The I point. appreciate You're doing that. a fine job explaining yeah. collegiate aviation. And, and collegiate aviation or, or college in general, no matter what it is, it's good to have a degree. Uh, again, to be competitive. 
it's, it, but it's it, like it's like the airline you want to work for. It's a lifestyle choice, right? Um, for education, it's it's um, it's very it's a pathway decision. You know, how do you want to get there? And I mean, clearly, this guy's put a lot of thought into where he's at, where he's going to go. Uh, kudos to you, man. I I don't think any part of my life has ever been this planned out. But um, I, I think the the key thing there is. It's a pro-con list, right? And everything, every choice you're going to have has pros and cons. College is nice because there's money, right? Different buckets of money that you can't get anywhere else um, that more people are eligible for that you don't have to go through a scholarship application for. You've got federal financial aid that can help you out Even with that. people older. Even older. But the age doesn't matter, you know, so that, that's, that's a nice access to the money. Going through a college that's approved for restricted ATP, lowers your total time to the airline, you know, from that 1500, which you said it's a long time to go. Well, a bachelor's degree brings that down to a thousand hours. Um, so if you figure that, um, assuming you have no prior college credit, which it doesn't sound like you do, but just assuming there's no prior college credit there, um, a traditional four year degree gets you your commercial multi-instrument CFI, double I, all that stuff. You're working as a flight instructor, but it also, takes away 12 to 18 months of time of you building more time to get to an airline job. So it takes more time. And as far as the training footprint goes, it also saves you some time at the back end. So it's very, it's all just, you know, looking at it, pros and cons and deciding which, uh, which thing is more important. Is it the, the number of days it takes for me to get there or how much it costs to get there or the way in which I get there? Um, again, there, there is no one right answer for everybody everybody's going to fit into a different bucket. That's an incredibly important point is that the situation is your situation and that's what's important to evaluate. Uh, there's Everybody likes to tell you what to do, uh, but you need to make that decision. That's why we coach and we don't tell you what to do. We, we, don't, we counsel a little bit, but we, we coach you and let you come up with a decision, which is interesting, Eric, because he had some really cool options. We were talking about mm -hmm. cost. So let's go look at some of these options he talks about uh, in, as far as his career is concerned. First is option number one was to stay, stay flying with the club and build hours and experience in the 172 while saving money for flight school. In roughly three years, I calculated I'd have enough money saved and also liquidate my side business to be able to quit my job and go to flight school full-time. I researched ATP in Concord or Guilford Tech Aviation Program in Greensboro. ATP course is attractive with their accelerated program, while Guilford would take about twice as long to complete. Both are Part 141 programs, and I've considered the pros and cons of each. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Number two, option two, is liquidate my side business by the end of this year, giving me capital to purchase a plane of my own to build hours and earn ratings. I know a couple CFIIs that will work with me to earn my ratings privately, Part 61 route. This is appealing because it's at my own pace and my own plane. I'm looking at buying a Beach Sundowner or Piper Archer to get the experience of a low-wing aircraft for a change. Provided that this all works out, I'd start my instrument rating and begin 2020, in the beginning of 2020. At the beginning of 2021, I work on earning my single-engine commercial, and during 2022, I continue to build hours and experience, expecting to have 450 to 500 total time by 2023. My plan is to sell the plane and go to flight school for all my multi-engine time and rating, hopefully being employable after that for some entry-level flying jobs. I'm just torn which one is a better option to do. Each have pros and cons, which I carefully considered. 
All things being equal, which option would you say makes the best sense moving forward towards a career? Thanks so much for your time, and I look forward to your response. Please keep the excellent podcast coming, too. It helps so many people out here with the knowledge and inspiration you and your guests provide. All the best. Now, first of all, the reason I read this is that I love the analysis that you went through in this journey, trying to decide what to do. This was not, I woke up today and had an idea. I mean, there's clearly some serious thought that went into this. And if it was, I just woke up and had an idea. We need to talk about another career for you. (laughs) Have you considered politics? Exactly. (laughs) But but in reality, he's done a great job uh, weighing these out. Here's Here's the problem with this situation here, is that for me to answer that, on the surface I can answer it, but there's more. Remember we said it's very specific for the end Individual, and that's why we do the specific coaching. In that, you know, we know we have to know some things like your your situation, family, uh, you know, moving situation. Can you, or if you sell everything, what's going to happen? Can you pay the rent? Are you alone? Do you have any other situation you're caring for somebody? Those are the kind of things we can't uh, dig down into on this podcast uh, online, but we'd love to talk to you. And again, just check the, out the coaching. But anyway, to listen, uh, to answer your question, let's first look at the second option because I, I like that you went through this analysis and I know a couple people have done this where they purchased their own airplanes, gone out, gotten the instruction, and they turned around, took that plane instead of selling it like you were talking about, and they leased it back to a school and actually were able to use that. Use it that, as a money engine. Yeah, exactly. And Help actually, you pay for the multi and all that. Exactly, exactly. And that's something that I think is is important to think about while you're looking at the multi. Remember the multi nowadays is just a quick get it, get it done, and move on to the uh, 10 to the 15 hours. I and, think it averages 12 or 13. And, and then you're out. Uh, but you do need to build a little bit of multi time for some of these programs. So mm-hmm. you may have to go out there and rent, et cetera. But that money you make on the leaseback might help you out. The great thing about having your own airplane, and if you're disciplined enough, is you know where it is. You know what the maintenance has been done to it. You know what you have inside the airplane. And, and being an, an owner now of an airplane, it's wonderful knowing where everything is and what's going on and who's scheduling it. It's your schedule, not the other person's. Uh, I know people that have been able, depending on how much money you get out of your business, I know someone who bought a 172, and I know someone who bought a Cirrus, and all they did is fly around the country to get their 1,500 hours. Uh, basically, took a year vacation and uh, and just flew a lot, or a couple years vacation, which is kind of a neat option. And if you need someone to go fly with you, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> Lakeland K L A L, just type into direct. Up. Just come pick me up at the FBO. Uh, but that I love that option, and that's something else to think about. Remember, we had the uh, the other teacher that was on, and he actually talked about how he he actually still owns his airplane and how he used it instructionally and also leased it back uh, to the flight school. As far as flying. I definitely keep flying as much as you can. Um, and as far as a degree is concerned, I'd highly recommend looking towards a degree. I know you said you're looking at just a regional, uh, but what, what's going to happen is you're going to itch to go into a major. Not that majors aren't hiring uh, if you don't have a degree, but it puts you definitely at the top of the stack. That's for sure. Yeah. My only thing about option two, and I, I love the idea of option two because you have total control of the asset, like you said, and then you also have basically a pay yourself back system where option one is just going to cost you money. Option two is going to cost you money, but you can get some of it back at the end. The one thing that didn't, that, I mean, you mentioned it cause you're talking about the timeline, but um, option two is going to take you a lot longer. Um, it's going to take you a lot longer even than college will uh, to get where you want to go. I mean, you're talking about becoming a flight instructor in 2023. Um, if you go to ATP, you're going to be a flight instructor in what, eight, yeah. 10 months. Yeah, what are we, Some, 19? Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly, 2020. Something, something <laughs> yeah. along those lines within a few months. So, um, again, like Carl said, you know, can you can you shut your life off and go full-time flight student? If you can, that's certainly an option. That's your quickest time frame. 
Um, the college route, um, again, obviously I'm biased. Look, I, I will call out my bias. Yeah. I, I, I work where I work because I think it's a great idea. I wouldn't do it if I didn't think it was a good thing to do, right? So, But I will acknowledge my bias. But I think it's an interesting middle ground here because it's not quite as long on timeline footprint as doing it all yourself. But you're also potentially able to get some money to help out in a way that's not just out of your own pocket. So that's maybe somewhere in the middle of the road. There, there may, there's like an option one B or maybe an option, option three that is that, that's something else. Um, and I, I think that the college opportunity is definitely there. Um, it's middle of the ground in time and it's middle of the ground in money. Um, but again, it really, I really have to know which is your priority to, to spend as little out of pocket money as possible or get where you want to go as quickly as possible, because that would directly impact which option you're going to choose. Um, and if neither one of those things is a pressing priority for you, then it is really just pros and cons and which thing fits my lifestyle the best. And it's tough for us to do that. I can tell you that if I were doing this all over again, um, I would have absolutely bought an aircraft to, to do my private, but I started flying when I was 13. I sold it on my 16th birthday. I didn't get my certificate until I was 18. I mean, and when I say I wasted money, it wasn't really my money. I did a lot of mowing of grass and washing of cars, but a lot of that was my parents' money. Um, and it would have been far cheaper for us to have pursued it that way and then been able to make some of that money back in selling an aircraft. But that was my unique situation at the time. Uh, so I, I don't know that I, I can't put myself in your particular situation, but I would encourage you to think of option one is actually maybe being an option 1A and a 1B because ATP and a college program are very, very different, both in terms of cost and in terms of training footprint. Um, and I think that that 1B is somewhere in the middle of those, of those uh, two options you've got there now. And that's some great analysis on that. And, you know, I, I came to this juncture myself and decided because of my job, I was traveling so much, it made no sense to own an airplane because every city I went to had a flight school. Uh, yes, I could have brought my plane with me, but it was just that much easier for me. Every six months, I changed, con you know, contracts. And it could be in Denver, it could have been Omaha, and then it could have been New York. So uh, if, if you're someone that moves around a lot, maybe having an airplane may or may not. I know you can bring it with you, but then you have to set up where to park it, that kind of thing. So it really it's not that but hard. But if you've but got that kind of schedule, giving up your life and going full-time at ATP isn't an option either. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a – you know, there's a – that is – the first question is a lifestyle question. Mm -hmm. And when that, when there is firm, like I will, I will sacrifice this. I will not sacrifice that. Then I think that's, that's all I'm going to call th these three different options, but all three of these options that you have are all perfectly viable options that you've clearly put a lot of thought into. Um, it's the, the main question that as I see it right now is just, is a lifestyle decision. It sure is. Eric, we have time for one more. If you pay me. All right. How about a dollar? I want a scholarship. <laughs> I'll give you a scholarship. Hey, put up with Carl's yeah, scholarship. Up, yeah, is there one up. of those in the scholarship guide? Uh, no, but we're going to put it in there. It's going to be the highest I'll fund it there. myself. Yeah, I'm sure you would. there are a lot of people out there. <laughs> There's a whole bunch. Believe me, it's a long list. The... Uh, but by the way, thanks for that, that question. And like I said, we can talk more uh, offline uh, because there's a lot of stuff in there we need to find out more about. But uh, but one of the things I would recommend, talk with your family too about this and tell them what you're doing uh, because sometimes they can help you out with that decision. Anyway, one more question. Let's uh, move on here. Uh, says, hey, Carl, side note before my question. 
Thanks for accepting my invitation to connect with me on LinkedIn recently. By the way, I, I read that because uh, I am on LinkedIn, and please uh, link up with me on LinkedIn, and I'll tell you why, because that's where all the recruiters hang out, and all my friends that are recruiters at all the different airlines, that's where they are, and I can just send the info over to you. Uh, I email LinkedIn profiles all day long to people. Uh, it's so important. Also, another word of advice, if you can, try to make your LinkedIn profile look like a resume and there's a guy who's actually still listed as a co-host on here who has probably one of the better LinkedIn profiles out there for a professional pilot his name is Tom Wachowski so go check him out on, on LinkedIn so please connect with me and connect with uh, Eric on LinkedIn absolutely who's out, yeah who's out there that's where I do business Anyway, real quick, let's get to his question. My question is pretty brief. What are your thoughts about autonomous aircraft? When do you think it will start taking over pilot jobs? I've been reading several articles about manufacturers like Boeing and Airbus starting to invent fully autonomous aircraft. Personally, I think it is probably decades away, but just food for discussion. Um, and I'll go on to what he has here. I currently fly for a well-known fractional ownership company. Before I worked at this company, I flew for a regional and I'm starting to wonder if I made a mistake. I uh, left the regional because the pay at the fractional is substantially higher. However, I, I miss this type of flying standards and overall culture of the airlines. Fractional is a lot of fun, but not really where I want to be long term. If you'd like to hear more about and like to cover fractional flying or podcast, I'd love to answer questions you may have. I'd love to, by the way, I'd love to have you on the podcast. And it's on the right side, how to be a guest on Aviation Careers Podcast. Do the course, seven minutes long, schedule it. We definitely want to talk to you about this and the pros and cons of being a, in a fractional. Make sure you, uh, by the way, anybody who comes on that's uh, representing an airline or a fractional, et cetera, get uh, actually from your airline, get permission to be on the show. If you don't get permission, we're going to talk very generically and not about your airline. We don't want you getting any trouble with your airline. Um, anyway, he continues. I left the airline solely for pay. It was the right move for the family at the time. Through a lot of thought, I've decided that I want to make the jump back to the airlines, but only if I can make it to a major airline. With 2,000 plus hours of turbine SIC, but zero turbine PIC, I understand I probably need to build PIC time before making the switch, which is convenient that I received notice that I'm going to upgrade training next month. While I don't want to be the guy who takes an upgrade and leave right away, should I plan to stick around for at least a year? I just don't want to miss an opportunity and potentially seniority in a major while I'm building the PIC time. Just wondering what your tips and suggestions are. I want to earn my way back, but how bad are the majors hurting for pilots? Are fractional pilots desirable? Will interviewers think of me as unreliable because I've done some jumping around? Every move to date has been a vertical move in my mind. I do want to find a company to set my roots and stick around for a while. Thanks for reading. Well, first of all, uh, as far as the airlines, they are hiring people without PIC time right now. Um, my sim partner didn't have any PIC at all. Had about 4,000 hours turbine time, but no PIC time. So you can get hired. It's just best to have that PIC time. You're about to upgrade. There's a couple of questions I have for you, which obviously you'd have to be here to answer, is how many hours are you getting uh, every year in the left seat? Is it going to be 200 hours, or is it going to be 500 hours, or is it going to be like a regional 800 to 1,000 hours? See the difference? And we're talking four to five years difference. You could go to a regional today, upgrade within a year, and have the 1,000 PIC within the next two, two and a half years. At the, at the fractional, it's probably going to take you five years, maybe longer, depending on who you're flying for and how much extra you can do. Uh, the fractional option, though, I really want to talk to you about that because 
I have so many people who've gone that route and love it. And I do work with guys who've left the fractional and come to the majors and they love it. And there's different reasons for each. Uh, I find that with the regional, or excuse me, with the majors, the higher you go seniority wise, the less you actually work and the more money you make. That's for sure. Um, but as far as the time is concerned, SIC, uh, you know, you, you can have that with zero turbine PIC. But remember, if we do go through a recession, remember the first thing they do, you need a degree, you need a thousand hours PIC turbine. Uh, and I have to ask that question. I really think just from the experience I've had with most of the folks at the, the fractionals, you're not going to be gaining that kind of hours. That's for sure. Um, but uh, anyway, great question. Uh, I, as far as jumping around, no, you've been moving along in your career. There are some people that have jumped around a lot. Uh, and we see this, right, Eric? I mean, especially nowadays with some of the students have come out of here and been to five different airlines or different jobs flying. Um, yeah, it's that it's that four month employee that yeah. that's that's concerning mm -hmm. the four and six month employee, and it's you know a, it wasn't a good fit is one thing, but when it's four different carriers that the, that's going to that yeah that's yeah. you got some explaining to do yeah yeah <laughs> and, and it, it might be warranted. Remember that happened to me I was, every six months I was moving carriers, but that was right after nine eleven and everybody was furloughing. Go to one airline, you get furloughed. Go to another. That's a little bit different than you making the decision to leave. You know that type of thing. Right. Um, and I had to explain that in my interview. You know, I said to my the, the guy in the interview for the major I work for now, he asked, you know, why did you move around so much? I said, well, I got furloughed all the time. He's like, oh, <laughs> it was kind of a bad. Oops. <laughs> but yeah, yeah the, I, I would say there too. I mean, I don't know when you left um the regionals but regional pay is not awful no, right no. now i mean it i mean you've got uh st and especially having this uh you know having the uh the the sic time you you may end up in one of those bonus categories for higher own uh, bonus because you've got so much sic time that you're bringing into urban experience um you know, they'll pay for, hey, welcome to the job, and then they'll also pay for if you've already got a type rating in the airplane, but then some will actually pay you a little kicker if you've already gotten uh, turbine experience, blah, blah, blah. There's all sorts of different situations like that. But, but Carl's right. I mean, the upgrade pathway at the regionals right now um, is very desirable. It isn't, and <laughs> it's really not that long. I mean, I remember when you used to sit on reserve for, you know, eight to 10 months, a year maybe. Eight, over, eight to ten years of too. reserve time yeah um and now it's like you just skip reserve you just go straight to a line i mean there are i mean there's i'm not saying that's that's across the board they're still they're still reserved but I mean, you're talking about a couple of months we're not talking about a year on reserve anymore um just a thought i mean again it did i don't know when you left but the pay is not that terrible right now especially for the time to get back to where you want to be and remember, he can also look at uh, some of these programs, depending on his hours and all, where he can maybe go right into the left seat or shortly into the left seat after getting hired. Yeah, direct hire. And yeah. Uh, direct, they call them direct hires, even though they're not really supposed to say that because of their contracts, but they pretty much are because you're the only eligible for upgrade time. You have the crew time, that type of thing. Uh, but check out some of those places. Airline Pilot Central, by the way, is a great website to see all those and look at the pay scales because you're going to be shocked because once you make captain, you're going to be making six figures you know, or pretty darn close to it at least. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, gosh, Eric, that's uh, all we have time for. I mean, we ran a little bit long, but that's okay. Well, are um, we not going to talk about autonomous vehicles? And wait, oh, gosh, we should probably know, answer that we probably one first. Should answer the question. Right? I mean, we should probably we do probably that. Should. As far since, as autonomous, since we have since done we a asked, really terrible it, job of answering everybody's question, <laughs> let's at least well, answer well, one we question. Answered them. We added yeah, a lot. We this one we did it in a very roundabout way. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that, Eric. But but yeah, autonomous vehicles. I'm not really worried about, especially on the type of thing where we're talking about. 
uh, you know, somebody has to be responsible for that aircraft. Uh, currently, no, but we have had jobs leave the industry because of autonomy. A great one is when I was applying, I was getting ready for my FE position, the flight engineer. Uh, you, how many people know what that is right now? You know, I think we do 200 or so certificates a year total. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, but there's no more flight engineers because the computers have taken that over and they're doing a great job. And I think that's, that's terrific. But there are, when it comes down to somebody being responsible for that flight, uh, just like uh, dispatchers, I really don't think we're going to ha- get rid of dispatchers easy or either because there are certain things computers can't do right now. And I don't think they will be able to. Uh, maybe when we're at the point when computers do brain surgery alone, uh, we're getting there, or do a lot of other robotic surgeries, yeah, but there are times when everything doesn't go as planned. And, right, and it's they that critical it. thinking piece. And there's and tasks, yes, there. but critical thinking is an issue. Now, I think that before, we, before dealing with fully autonomous aircraft, I think augmented crew will happen. I mean, I, I think that's my lifetime, probably, maybe, um, yeah. where you've got your second pilot is actually on the ground, fill in a role sort of like a dispatcher does now, except you're there to help with checklists and emergency management or talking on the radio or whatever. When we get to a place where line of sight communications are no longer required anywhere on the globe. Um, and I think if you, if you think about the idea of somebody flying, you know, a drone in the middle East from Las Vegas and landing it in real time, like, the, does the technology exist? Yes. Is it all super DOD classified? Yes. Um, but so was night vision. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, so was GPS. Sure. So, I mean, eventually, I mean, that will that technology trickle down? Yeah. And I mean, augmented crew is a reality in the shorter term, but I don't even know that my kids will ever see a day where you'll get on an airplane and there's nobody on it and it's just fully autonomous. I don't, but, I mean, maybe that's just a limitation of my mind. I don't see how... I don't see how that critical thinking component works um, for the unexpected situation. So you would also, and that's a good example. There's uh, the other issue too, is that the pilot a lot of times is dealing with things in the back of the airplane that are uh, very, very hard to describe. And uh, you know, when we're dealing with emergencies, a lot of times it's uh, to have that type of critical thinking and to be able to describe that situation can be very difficult. And uh, and that's where you know you need to have a person there. I don't think we'll ever see an, an aircraft without a person. When it's more than just a person, it's multiple people. You have mm-hmm. a crew. Yeah, you know, it's flight attendants. You know, yeah. you're thinking of uh, when we think about the airplane. I mean, the the people who are outside of aviation are like, well, are there two people up there? Oh yeah, there are two people up there, and so they just do their own thing. No man, there's so many people on the ground that you're talking to, dispatchers you're coordinating with, you're coordinating with in-flight crew in the back, like it's all one big system. I tell my students this all the time. Look, for every two of you in the front, it takes a hundred people to get you there. So, you know, what we're talking about when we're talking about autonomous aircraft is not just replacing the pilot. It's replacing, it's, it's fundamentally changing the crew dynamic in aviation. Is it possible? Maybe, but not, my point is it's not just the pilot position that would change. The entirety of aviation would change. The role of the air traffic controller and the dispatcher and the flight attendant all of those roles will change. It's not just the fact that, well, just one day two pilots don't show up for work anymore. No, it's it's a system-wide change for how we operate the national airspace system. Yeah, and that change will probably come within the cargo arena first. It's kind of like the rest rules. The rest rules did, applied more to the passenger carrying. Uh, obviously, there was a risk-reward benefit there. 
and uh, you know the collateral damage within a cargo arena is more towards cargo than people, and they were willing to take that risk. I mean, we've seen all those studies and all those conversations that are finally coming out. Uh, but yeah, it'll be uh, someday. But uh, you, you'll never take all those people out like you're talking about that are involved in that whole equation uh, because there is so much that's going on, so many different dynamics uh, to flying an airplane. And primarily what you're doing isn't flying a plane. You're making lots of decisions. Uh, and we have to get to that point. I think we, uh, we might, but not right now. Uh, I saw it on Star Trek once, um, but uh, I'm not even sure that they were able to get rid of everybody. I know Captain Kirk was still in the guy. And look at all the people they had in the ship. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, hate to use that Star Trek analogy, but, uh, but well, I I've quoted that. Monty Python yeah. and I love Lucy today. So I might mean, well go with the might, Star as well, Trek. might as well bring in some Star Trek. <laughs> it's a trap. Now I got Star Wars. <laughs> That's Star Wars. Now we got four, but uh, a great question. And by the way, as far as upgrading in general and leaving the company, make sure you understand what the contract says. Uh, I get this question a lot where people upgrade and then leave. That's a big black mark on your, on your record. And you may not get, uh, recommendation from that company. Make sure you fulfill your contract. Um, and I know I've heard the people say, hey, well, I fulfilled my contract because I paid the fee. I was like, yeah, I get it. But in reality, you upgraded and you left right away. So that may not they may not feel really good about that one. Well, Eric, this has been great. Thanks for reminding me to talk about the autonomous thing. And thanks yeah. for uh, being here to keep well, us somewhat on track. Thanks for having me. It's always yeah, fun. Yeah, it's to, been a blast. It's fun to and, talk about airplanes and people who want to work on them yeah, and work with them. Yeah, and, they, uh, and there's so much new happening. It's new, but it's old. And, you know, we talk about technologies and we talk about things that are happening and changing. Uh, things take a long time to change. I mean, look at airplanes and the little airplanes we fly and how long it took to just get fuel injection in the airplanes. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Several of and them that still don't have fuel injection. There's a lot of them that don't have fuel <laughs> injection, mine in particular. But it really is It's interesting to see how slow the government moves, especially when it's mitigating risk. And, uh, and autonomy has not been gotten to the point where we've been able to mitigate all those risks, but I think we are getting there. Uh, the sense and avoid is a good example. Uh, as far as, as risk factors are concerned, we're not even there yet with that. So getting rid of the person is going to be a little bit tougher. When it's highly automated things, you know, the pressure is high, I'm going to shut a valve. Yeah, that's different. Uh, that's pretty uh, linear thinking, and but it's not very dynamic and it's not very critical. Uh, but when you have critical thinking, yeah, we're going to have to keep somebody in that loop. Whether it's in the airplane, or remote, either way. Eric, this has been great, um, and I, I really appreciate your coming and along. And uh, here we are on the campus of Polk State College here in Lakeland, Florida. If you want to actually come by and visit, we'd love to have you. Uh, also, when I'm on the road, I'd love to say hello to you folks. Uh, follow me on Facebook. I'm starting to do a little more with Instagram, uh, but I might start posting where I am. Problem is, when I go somewhere, I'm usually visiting somebody, and, and we aren't able to get together in an airport, but we're trying to put that together. I do know a couple people have been doing that. I think it's great, you know, being able to say hi, just face-to-face. -face. And uh, it's been I actually had a listener the other day. I just had coffee with. Turns out he lives in Mulberry, Florida, which is just south of here. It was just so cool. Just just a lot of fun. I, I cannot get over the amount of events I've been to this year. When people come like, hey, I listened to you on the podcast. I'm like, really? <laughs> and, and we're going to try to put more of a face with a name. Uh, I know I talked about this in the past, and I'm not sure if I want to announce it yet, but yes, we are starting to do more videos. 
uh, and answer your questions on video. I know you guys want to see my face. I don't know why, uh, but uh, you I don't know, really know why that is either. As a matter of fact, our listenership may go down. I actually, <laughs> I actually want to get back to doing these things with you via Skype, so that I don't have yeah, to sit so across to the sit table here from you. Yeah, this, this thing where we have to be face to face is a little bit rough. I'm being honest. Uh, I sound a lot younger than I look. That's for sure, and that's why I'm, I'm afraid of doing. <laughs> Everybody says I sound like I'm young, and they see me in person. They boy, you look a lot older than you sound. I've heard that so many times. It's uh, really? it, it is, yeah, it's it's kind of funny, isn't it? I, I don't know. I don't. You tell me. Whoever meets me, you know, tell me what you think because people do tell me. I look. A, they didn't, didn't expect this. I guess the 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 old guy with the gray hair. They never expected, but it, wow. The, yeah, yeah. I just I there's. Too, just too many ways to go there. That. There's no, nothing. that's for sure. Yeah, do one thing yeah, uh, yeah. for your aviation career. <laughs> move on down the road. Well, anyway, guys, we really appreciate your listening. If you have questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you want to try to find that scholarships guide and scholarship in general, go to the scholarship tab. It's only $10 for one-year access. Hey, you might get it free by uh, using the Pay It Forward coupon. And if you want to give it away for free and pay it forward, we'd love you to do that. Click on Pay It Forward. Click on the video on the side. If you want to be a guest, go out there to look at how to be a guest on Aviation Careers Podcast. But one thing I want to remind you is that no matter what it is, you need to do something today to move forward in your career. Don't just sit there and turn off the podcast, get up, stop the car. When you get home, write down something and just do something. No matter if it's researching, if it's talking to your friends, uh, if it's just writing down things and, and putting a checklist together as to what you should do, do a pros and cons checklist. But the most important thing is do something today to move forward in your life and your career. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler, all rights reserved. <laughs>